I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Reigns from XDP. This is Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. Corey Willis from PPI. I'm Drew with D&J Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. Diesel Podcast. You're listening to The Diesel Podcast. The Diesel Podcast. The one and only Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? Diesel Podcast is back this week with an awesome episode. We're going to be talking about the war on diesel trucks, which uh, is something that's been going on for a while, so we've got some interesting things to discuss. But before we get to that, we got to thank BD Diesel. They're sponsoring this episode, making it possible. And if you have a 6.7 Cummins with a 68 RFE, what's going to happen once you add power to it is stock transmission is going to fail. And the BD Protect 68 kit eliminates that, whether you have a stock transmission or a built one. So what it does is it prevents clutch slippage, and it does that two ways. One is it adds line pressure, takes it up to 250 PSI, and it does that by reading turbo boost and engine load. So it's dynamic. It can adjust to you as you're driving. Second way it does it is it prevents cross leaks. Now, cross leaks can happen whenever the line pressure is taken above stock. So they've addressed both concerns with one product. What's really cool is the kit only takes two to three hours to install, comes with the custom valve body separator plate and gaskets so once you get it spend two to three hours put it on the truck you're good to go all right now we're going to get to the topic of the war on diesel trucks rustin's joining us today really excited you're live on the podcast man it's awesome to have you on i've i've uh, seen you in the diesel community for for years and know you're you're a veteran of it it's great to have you on today hey thank you very much it's been crazy this week with the uh the eclipse and everything else going on it's like the whole world stopped and I'm like, I just want to get back to diesel stuff. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't blame you. I'm actually over here in Northern California in Redding, and uh, we got the 80 percent, and we were watching the people driving up I-5 just to get out to work, and I'm like, going, wow, this is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's time to get back into diesels. I agree with you. Well, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, your history with diesel trucks, your passion for them, your involvement, you know, in the uh, in the community and in the industry, that'd be fantastic. Oh, not a problem. My my humble beginnings begin, you know, as a child. You know, my dad was a, a logger out here in uh, Northern California. And watching him skin cats or drive logging trucks, that was a whole part of it. And I used to live out in Mendocino Coast, which was really cool. And then as I got older, I was a gearhead enthusiast. So I was building models and things of that nature. And, uh, and then when I got old enough to graduate high school, I ended up in the United States Marine Corps, 3521 2nd National on Auto organizational auto mechanic and uh, got to work on Hummers, five-ton trucks, uh, logistic vehicle systems, also known as the Dragon Wagon. It's all hydraulic vehicle that articulated in the center. The Army calls them Hemets. Uh, and then from there, uh, I was in the in- industrial industry, worked for companies like Matrix uh, for putting up and erecting uh, oil tanks and things of that nature. Okay. And then I got out of that, was driving truck, and then got back into, uh, well, you know, from the 90s till about now, I was learning about internet marketing and uh, got really good at it to a point where Google changed enough for me to really make a good business out of it. Because in the beginning, it was just crap. Everywhere you went was a porn, <laughs> a porn site coming yeah. up on your searches. So. <laughs> so I was like, I'll wait till they get this figured out. <laughs> but, you know, as the, as the sport progressed, uh, out here, we had uh, Chris Warner of uh, Jefferson State Diesel. You know, he became a Diesel Power Challenge winner back in 2008, and that's when I really started becoming good friends with him. I remember 
uh, the early 2000s when the Power Strokes, you could buy a Banks chip and do some cool things with it and be able to sit next to a Ford Mustang and roast the tires and you'd be like, and that truck? No way! You know, be like all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Uh, and then watching, you know, guys like Brad Mackin and a G&J Diesel Performance and then Ryan Milliken coming out, you know, the woodwork. And then watching uh, the dramatics you know, unfold behind Dimitri Millard. And it was quite interesting being friends with all these guys and understand what they're doing and, you know, how this sport has really progressed. It was quite fun. It's gone, like, full throttle. And over the last maybe two or three years, maybe even a little longer, just how many things have happened, you know, like just with the, the quest for 2,000 horsepower. Right. And then now it's 2,500, then 3,000, and, you know, like things that Firepunk's doing and, uh, DNR Customs and like mentioned Ryan Milliken and the whole like the UCC stuff it's just completely gone to this whole other level really fast and it's an exciting time oh I, I agree you don't have to forgive me I'm actually out in my uh, walking around my property here and you heard my rooster so <laughs> 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 that's how live we are people we're actually in it you know we're, we're, there's no computer in front of us this is straight from the art and you know, you can't get more authentic than this. <laughs> well, that's what's so cool about podcasts is, like, it's a conversation. And, you know, I, I don't remember who I – another guest we had, we talked about that. And, you know, the access to some of these guys or even topics, it's so hard to get at an event. It's hard to get someone's attention when you're an enthusiast just walking down, you know, vendor row or something and talk to somebody and ask them these questions. And that's why I'm so passionate about podcasts is they're real. I mess up all the time. We have fun, we laugh, and we say whatever we want. <laughs> oh, great. And you know what? And there's a lot of value to podcasts. On my side, again, I'll try not to get too much too involved with it, but on podcasts, you might not be able to have all the numbers uh, to show value for a podcast. I mean, you can get views and listens, and then you could probably uh, look at how many people clicked on the links that you posted on there. Uh, yeah. But, you know, here's the thing. Any person that has their own marketing team or a company that has a marketing team, the new thing now lately is mentions. So when you have a company send traffic to your podcast, to the link that they're working on, to that one direct deal, Google goes nuts for that for some weird reason. That's the thing I've noticed. So yeah. I'm actually directing a lot of my campaigns to this method because I know it works. Yeah, that's well, very true. So you know, it's it, it's a pretty cool little deal to have. Uh, you know, whether it's a private blog network or a or a blog, if you were doing blogs, I'd do the same thing because that's the latest thing going on. All right, enough of that. <laughs> I don't want to get too technical. <laughs> off. This is supposed to be diesel. <laughs> and that's and that's what I was just thinking right now is, you know, with you're in California, you're a diesel enthusiast. You've been in it for a really long time. And there's so much going on, not just with companies, but with the diesel enthusiast network as it pertains to emissions, as it pertains to products with EO numbers, as it pertains to the stuff that happens in that state spreading to other states. And I think it's like, a, you know, a diesel truck enthusiast and you don't live in California, you think, oh, I don't care. What does that, what does that mean? It actually has a lot of meaning. And I wanted to get your take on that like what's going on in that state what's going on with carb what's going on with SEMA? how all these things taking place affect what you can buy in another state and the whole direction of performance in in the you know the diesel the diesel industry diesel community well that's that's 
a, that could be a we could turn this into a two part show just on that right there. We can do that. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, you know, being in California and and a member of the SEMA organization and listening to the California Resource Board and all the changes that goes through, a lot of the people that you know have their shops and stuff and know and care about what's going on, I'm sure they're pretty much head of the game. So I'll speak into a language that'll make sense to the general owner of the vehicle. So when you say that you, you, it doesn't matter in your state, well, it might not for right now. But we all know if we don't keep on top of our legislators and things of that nature, and you may not, some people may not have time to go send a letter or make a phone call or try and meet, uh, meet their legislators wherever it is that their office is, you know, and especially when you get up to the federal level, it's really hard to get a hold of them. You might not have the time to do that, but you've got to think about those things and start putting your effort into them because those changes will come to your state. Now, exactly. I'm going to bring it back and say, you know what, I do care about my environment. And I am a diesel enthusiast, and I love the things that we do with these trucks. And could they be cleaner? Yes. Do they need a DPF? No. I think that's an archaic piece of crap, but we'll get to that here in a minute. Now, the California Air Resource Board and SEMA, SEMA actually has their garage program. So manufacturers, if they don't have the means to try and get the numbers and the stickers and things they need, SEMA is starting to provide a service to speed up that process for them so we can start getting these parts better. And diesel power challenge changing, you know, to you got UCC and now, you know, diesel power challenge being where it's at, where emission systems are kept. We're seeing fruits of that labor. So I think that's an excellent thing that's going on. Uh, and then with, you know, companies like BD and, uh, you know, like and the like, they're constantly doing changes and making sure that they're, compliant because they know at any given time, even though they're out of the country, they're up north, the, the feds could come in and shut them down or they'll ask the Canadian feds to shut them down. Who knows? There's a lot of goofy things that go on, you know, because they're a bit touchy right now. And uh, with uh, the new president being in, you know, not trying to show favoritism on either side of the spectrum, it's still an unknown what's going to happen with that. But as long as California has free reign to do and say what they want it's going to continue to dictate the rest of the country you know that's the thing you know, a company like bd they do so much in the aftermarket for the aftermarket enthusiast and just things out there that it's really cool and they've got a ton of different products and i'm a transmission guy so i always love to talk about transmissions and torque converters and things like that but bd builds their transmissions for high torque use so whether you're towing every day or Take it to the track, or it's a race truck that you haul someplace and go compete, you know, in a certain class. They totally revamp that transmission. So they revise the oil circuits and they replace roller bearings and extra clutches and valve body modifications. And they don't stop there. I mean, from that point, they offer billet shafts. So depending on the power level, how much torque it's making, or it will make, you know, say if you're building ahead a little bit, you just want a solid setup that you can grow with as you modify your truck, they've got it. Now, the other part of it that's totally cool, this is, I'm probably more fascinated by this part of it than anything else, is the torque converter. That's where the magic happens. That's where the efficiency, the fuel economy increases. Um, if you're racing, where you can adjust the stall speed to make sure that you're you know, cutting down on your 60-foot time or just loading the chargers the way that you need to. And, the, you know, they use a billet front cover. They have extra clutches, uh, extremely efficient stator, and tons of options. So... You know, if you're in the market for a transmission, 
you got to check out BD. You got to see what they're doing. All the different options they have, and especially how quickly you can get them. A lot of times, these things are in stock, ready to go. But kind of get back what you know what we were just talking about, Rustin, is you know I've heard horror stories out there of you know guys in California getting pulled over, um, getting tickets, um, you know things with companies or manufacturers, you know trying to get their products into the state. And the thing is, is at the point of that happening. We've already missed the boat as enthusiasts and as business owners and as racers, whatever it might be. That's the last point that these things need to be addressed. And that's where the legislative process, contacting our, you know, our representatives um, at the state level and at the federal level, really you know, comes into play. Now, we all want balance. You know, none of us want to breathe dirty air, drink dirty water. I grew up in Denver you know, in the 80s and 90s. I remember the brown cloud that would just hover over the city. Now, there really isn't that. You know, I know Southern California had it really uh, bad, you know, different big cities on the East Coast. So there, there are benefits to making sure, you know, that our vehicles are running efficiently. But also it can go too far and it becomes kind of what it is now, you know. <laughs> and, and you're right. There's a point where, you know, it, it, it'll open it, it. When an entity gets too powerful, then you start getting the problems with hypocrisy and a lot of things that go in the in that direction because they get too powerful. They got too much money. Whereas, you know, they were able to punch a hole through uh, something that was holding really toxic water and went through and changed the uh, ecology. So, and they, they're unchecked on that. They, they're a federal government. Who's going to go after them? Uh, you know, and there may be some lawsuits against them. I don't have a computer right in front of me, so I don't know. Uh, but if if it was a private citizen that opened up that levy and released all that toxic, he's going to prison. He's done. You know, no matter if it was an accident. If it was a comp company and they were trying to shore it up and fix it, and all of a sudden it opens up and they, the federal government decides to find them liable, they're done. They're pretty much, you know, if they, unless they have enough money, they can get past it. And, you know, kind of like what BP did when they had oil go everywhere. Uh, you know, it, it's just a really hard thing to do unless you're powerful enough to be able to withstand the, the storm from it. I think about this a lot. You know, as it's changed, I haven't, I didn't grow up around diesel trucks, really. I just, I've said it a couple times on these episodes is, you know, Dimitri hooked me. I saw him race here in Colorado probably nine or ten years ago at, at an event, and I got hooked seeing a four-door short bed Duramax go that fast and it's changed so much since then with these you know the newer trucks and I think you know there's got to be a solution there's so much intelligence and you know so many engineering talents that exist not just like in Detroit but with all these aftermarket companies where they're trying and they're succeeding as well in making these trucks run better cooler you know have more performance but still operate in this framework and that's what I'm really excited to see what happens, you know, here in the near future is, can we get away from a DPF and still be able to meet these requirements? Can the technology make another leap forward where, kind of like in the gas world, you know, where all the power went down on the cars in the 70s and the 80s, and now you can buy a 700 horsepower car that's completely street legal, you know, at your favorite Dodge dealership, you know? Oh, and, and, and get just... close to 28 miles per gallon out of it. Yeah, you know what? It's totally possible. And just to give you some background on why the DCF came about, uh, the diesel particulate filter system was uh, 
designed by a couple of companies, and Clear was the one that pushed it. And they were able to build themselves enough clout. They had a lot of backing to do it. And they pretty much wrote the legislation out here in California, which forced the big three and any other diesel vehicle at that time, with the exception of the semi-trucks, to adopt the DPF. Well, actually, the semi-trucks were probably first. I, I remember. I could be wrong. Anyways, once again, no laptop. Um, <clears throat> I'd hate for someone to come on there in the chat and say, hey, this dude's like wrong, man. So, yeah, I'd be flogged for it. But uh, anyways, so when the DPF came out, clear, pretty much legislation, to repeat myself, they, they created something. And then California went with it and now forced everybody to keep it and you have to have it on, all this great and stuff. Just no different than what we went through with the small gloss and small bumps. And now we're seeing, you know, from 2008 on up, well, the, the systems had to get better. Granted, it was killing the Ford Power Stroke. It was doing some other vehicles, and it just wasn't a really good system. And then California Air Resource Board got nailed. Apparently from uh, the Western Trucking Association had a uh, gentleman that was a professor at UCLA, uh, who's no longer a professor at UCLA. Um, he found out that the numbers and the gentleman that did the numbers didn't even have a real degree. And we posted it all over the United States about what the California Resource Board was doing. So it was already brought up on false pretenses. Should never have gotten as far as it did. But because they wanted to push this, and in my mind, even though I love diesels and things of that nature, and I understand there's heavy metals and things, you know, quite a few other things, uh, it'll kill you, but not as fast as the gas will. But uh, they went about it all wrong. I think they could have totally really thought about the DPF, and we didn't fight it hard enough. We kind of just, you know, we, we hem-hawed, yelled at them. The economy was already bad, so they slowed it down, and we appeased, We were appeased with them saying, we'll hold off on this argument until 2010 or 2011. And then when it came in, the laws were really slammed in in our faces, and we didn't have time to really protect ourselves. So, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of psychology involved with that. I deal in marketing, so I understand there's a lot of psychology in this stuff. These people are not stupid. Um, now they were able to move people around. They didn't fire the guy with a fake uh, uh, degree. They just moved him around because they had contract obligations with these people and everybody that was involved in the whole deal. Comp contract obligations, unfortunately. And, uh, and a lot of these uh, federal organizations or state-run organizations, everything is on a contract. And it's cheaper to keep them on than it is to fire them and have to pay them off. You know, it's kind yeah. of weird, iffy deal going on with that. Uh, the other thing is, is um, later down the road, they went and had this uh, university in Berkeley uh, resubstantiate those numbers. We don't know how much money that was put into the whole deal, and we do not know how much of it they just reassessed everything and said it was all good, or did they bring in new numbers? We don't know. Um, I, I'd like to think that they're very truthful in what they're doing. They're doing the same is correct, but it sounds like to me they're using the the old narrative from the 1970s uh, when they were really pushing for smog laws and all the vehicles that were on there creating smog in Los Angeles. And me being up here in Northern California, we're constantly outvoted by everybody south of us. It's just, it's, it's amazing how, you know, the difference of thought patterns between people that live in the rural versus the people that live in the urban. You know, it's just, 
there, there, there needs to be some balance in what we're doing, and there, there isn't, especially in this state right now. There's really not much balance. And I'm, me personally, I prefer a government that works slow because at least all the questions they can try and figure out to get answers and get the great compromise. Right now, we no longer have that great compromise. Yeah, that's where it's so tough to, to try to sit back and think, how does it get fixed? Is it because the technology in the private industries is able to get so good or efficient? Or is it, which is probably the most likely, <laughs> I mean, private enterprise moves way faster than any agency does, but there needs to be a dialogue. And I think that's where, you know, organizations uh, you know, like SEMA um, and, and what companies do, what individuals do and their support and what they, you know, if they can have those conversations with their legislators or send letters or whatever they do, that's where we're able to open up that dialogue and be able to say, hey, we want the same thing. However, you know, it's not cool when your motor, you know, doesn't last as long or, you know, you can't make a living with your truck because it's constantly in fail-safe mode or, you know, all those sorts of things that surround this. Well, I, I think that's where we're getting into um, a social engineered uh, uh, conversation with a lot of these people because uh, the, the media, whether we know it or not, because a lot of us live in a rural area, they're... They understand how to speak to a lot of different people. And so when people are barraged by, hey, this is going to hurt your kids, hey, this is not going to be good, that brings a lot of red flags for everybody to want to say, hey, what, what are we talking about? Next thing you know, we're voting for something without really looking into it. Yeah. So they use a lot of fear and things of those things to bring out the emotions on people in order to get things passed or looked at. And it, right now, uh, you know, I, I try to be you know very neutral but right now it seems like the diesel industry especially on the smaller end vehicles like our pickup trucks not so much our pickup trucks excuse me we'll start with the volkswagens and all the other vehicles that are in diesels you won't see a mercedes-benz diesel in the states right now bmw i think they stopped in 2016 bmw might have stopped in 2016 i don't think we can find uh any of those vehicles in diesels the volkswagens uh they may have stopped right when they went and had their diesel gate, which that was an interesting story right there in itself, how they got, you know, you know how they, it was figured out. Kudos to them. They found a loophole. Why they got nailed for exploiting a loophole, you know, it, it makes sense. But at the same time, they, the, law was, they, <laughs> the law was right there. They found a way around the law. I don't yeah. see that, you know, that was a problem. But, you know, public opinion and how the media really drug it out is what made it to what it is now. So these smaller vehicles, there's an absolute war against diesel-powered vehicles in the area. I mean, granted, we got to make meet the cafe laws of fuel economy, and they're not doing it so good. They're scrambling. The big three are scrambling. All the companies are scrambling to meet these fuel economy numbers. That's the reason why we have aluminum uh, trucks now. Uh, there's a lot of changes being happening. It's quite exciting. I actually like the cafe laws. I like it when the, when they force manufacturers to uh, be innovative. I like things that make them be innovative. I like bigger, faster, safer. Uh, I don't think a lot of these vehicles are meant to be. Uh, they go through the test, but we got to look at the test. Some of the tests of these vehicles they're meant for 55 miles an hour. We're now driving in 80 miles an hour. Are these vehicles still safe at 80 miles an hour? Yeah. You know, there's lots of good things that in, inspire innovation. And the fact that we have to keep an archaic uh, emission system running, that's not sustainable. That's that's pretty much saying uh, we're trying to uh, 
kill diesel. So we're going to see numbers drop in sales if we continue to make it an epidemic. And we're going to sponsor more uh, stories about how we can make this a, a bad thing. And then we're going to go after people that are blatantly uh, breaking the laws. And, you know, more power to them, unfortunately, they're, for companies that are making money off of this stuff. But at the same token, we got to be smarter than that. Like here in California, we they, they really have no way of regulating us too much. If the Highway Patrolman Society wants to look at your vehicle and see if you have emissions on there, he can't, all right? If you live in a county out here in California, which is either coastal or up in the mountains, you really are not subject to the smog laws out here. So if you own a diesel, you, you can delete all that crap here in California. It's not as strict as everybody says it is because they're unable to uh, enforce all the area, especially in those places that are considered in, uh, not incorporated. So every two years, you may or may not get a message to smog your truck. But if you try to sell it you know, into in a smog area, then you need to bring it back up to code. If not, then you sell it over in Nevada or Oregon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I can believe it. I mean, that's uh, the, I think the main theme of all this that's been going on for a while is there is a war on diesel, and it's not, it, it's very, it's, I don't want to say it's subtle, but, you know, not all of us are watching the nightly news to know all the details of what happened with Volkswagen or, you know, some things that happened with Ram recently and all these different things. It's just like, it, it just starts in different ways. It starts with, you know, you can go on, you know, most performance websites or all of them, and you'll see a product and it'll say, cannot ship the state of California. And then that company, you know, they have employees. They had a dream and built a business and all that sort of stuff. They're not going to risk whatever fines or whatever happens to send some product over there, you know. Right. And it just it, it keeps happening with just with the products, with what's going on. And I don't know. I just it's just the balance. I think is what needs to be found. And once the balance is there, great. I mean, diesel's awesome. It's fantastic. The power, the torque, the efficiency, the longevity of the motor. Like, there's so many benefits to it, but it's kind of painted in that light of, you know, it's unfortunately, you know, in the past, it's that big black cloud. And it's so easy to see, and, you know, the people see it, and they're like, well, I don't want to breathe that in. And then you get these people who don't really know a lot about diesels or what's going on with it saying, I don't want that. I don't want to see that. And well, you hit you hit it right there. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, and you the simple fact that reason why most people, majority of people, will not buy buy diesels here in the states. You go to Europe; it's a different different mindset. They have diesels all day long, but here, um, you know, the thing is, is people don't like the smell, and they don't like the sound of them. So over the years, we've been cleaning them up and making them run a little bit different, so people could be more enjoying understanding the best benefits of diesel. I agree with you. There's pound for pound, diesel will beat gas, hydrogen natural gas, uh, propane, just in, this, just in the BTUs in itself. Uh, the efficiency on the diesel is much better than all those other engines. Uh, the problem is with electric. Electrics, unfortunately, you could say electric is more green, but everything that goes into the electric, the batteries, all that stuff, they got to mine that from somewhere. And when that car gets into an accident, the diesel... It doesn't get treated like an a emergency hazardous waste situation, you know, in emergency situations. If it's been wrecked or something, electric cars, they've got a stack of regulations and things they need to do to protect themselves in case one of these batteries rupture. So 
but and the other thing is range. With the right tuning and the right products, you can extend the range on a diesel. Electric, you can only go as far as the bill allowed the batteries because the battery's got to get huge. So you're limited to maybe 400 miles on electric. I think at the most, maybe 500. I, I could be wrong, uh, but even then, you know, it's it's that's another thing that's amazing. I think that's also part of the social engineering. The fact that the range on these vehicles, they make them, they allow the companies to get more fuel economy conscious, but they don't extend the range. The range is still the same. Yeah. So it makes you kind of wonder about those things um, <laughs> because there is a fuel infrastructure that we have, and maybe they need to keep that infrastructure. And as these you know, vehicles get more fuel economy minded, well, then they have to lower the range on them, and then they raise the price of fuel. Okay, well, there's lots of things. It's quite complex. We, Like I said, we can go forever on this stuff, trying to get deep thoughted into this stuff. We'll definitely have to do a, a, like a part two on it, because it is. It, it, it's not just something we could do in, like, one conversation. We'll have, to, we'll have to extend it out, because I think people buying these trucks and driving them and getting involved in the business side of it, there are things they want to know or just they want discussed that you might read on a forum if you go on it, but it's not at the forefront, so to speak, of what is actually happening. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I, I, I'm a big fan of the forums. I'm actually, you know, you look up my name, it's just Rust uh, and on all the major forums. Some of them have been kicked out for other things, but uh, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it, 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 but unfortunately the forums have kind of lost uh, their grip because they haven't been able to get caught up with technology and Facebook has really kicked them in the teeth. So, you know, that's the problem with forums. Uh, the other thing is, is um, yeah, this is this this is definitely going to need a part two. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even gotten to part why Clear, Clear as, is no longer a company yet. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we'll definitely if we sit down again. I gotta definitely gotta think about some things too. You know, as far as like just trying to find solutions. I guess is is you know really what's really key like i i was i was laughing when you said you know the trucks have gotten quieter you know an old 73 12 valve vp44 truck you knew it was a diesel where the new trucks you get in them you're like is the thing even running i can't even right. hear anything <laughs> uh, I, you know what i still have my early 999 f250 ford i still use it and drive it it's getting harder hard to find parts because well ford decided to do something that really irritated me and they say now it's no longer uh uh support it so they're no longer making parts for it so every time i go to a dealership or somewhere that has four parts they say oh we only have one left in the whole country and you're like you got to be kidding me <laughs> but on top of that i also have a 2011 mercedes-benz blue tech here and that thing is quiet i mean when you stand outside it sounds like a diesel it's quieter though but and it it has the same horsepower same torque same tow rating as my truck and i thought that was phenomenal <laughs> that was one of the selling points, the reason why we bought it. You know, it's got a V6 diesel. It's the same diesel, same engine as the uh, Sprinter van. And I'm like going, yeah, I see potential with this thing. I don't see a whole lot of parts for it. So I can't, there's, there's not a whole lot of go-fast. I think, you know, if I wanted to do an exhaust upgrade and a computer upgrade, I think it would run me 700 bucks. You know, and that's not going into all the stuff I'm trying to do to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cheaper than most of the new vehicles. So, yeah. You know, I, I, 
so I'm quite happy with with the way things have progressed. Once again, that that archaic VPS system that's that's the part that not happy with. That I'm not happy with. Yeah, I don't think any of us any of us are real enthusiastic about it. But it's it's really cool. No, you know, people care. Companies care. They're trying to figure you know this out and. You know, I know definitely appreciate your time and your expertise and and stuff. Just talking about this, and and we'll we'll definitely mark down a, a part two, and jump back into this huge debate about diesel emissions. And I mean, we all want more people to drive diesels. Is really what we want, you know? Right. They're, that that's our goal, and you know, but also balance it, and you know, not have the brown clouds and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> you know. Right, and and you know, once again, for all the listeners out there, forgive me if this sounded kind of negative toward diesel, but this is the actual realities that a lot of us owners are going through in certain different parts of the country, and and it goes all the way up, and we need to do more positively to make sure that people around us understands the value and the benefit of these trucks. What, and the same token, we also need to you know make sure that our senators and our congressmen we keep them in check and balanced. It doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republican, they all think for themselves. And we have to remind them, you know, not only are you for the constituents that voted for you, but you're also against, you're also with us too. So you got to work with us somehow. And we got to, we got to stay steadfast on all those things. So, and that brought, brings me up to another point that we could talk about because I was trying to start an organization within the FEMA uh, and their many organizations. I was trying to start a, uh, a diesel uh, group in that, so that kind of went to the wayside, and that brings into the uh, uh, the egos and stuff like that that we deal with in the industry too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely a part two would be needed. I appreciate that. Oh, oh yeah, for sure, definitely. Like I said, appreciate you taking time today, talking with us, and and uh, can't wait to do the next one. All right. Don't forget, diesel fans, if you're in the market for a built transmission. You need to check out BD Diesel's complete lineup for Ford, Dodge, and GM trucks. For towing, street, or strip use, they offer complete setups to make your truck perform how you want. If you add a BD torque converter, you're going to get triple the amount of lockup clutch material, less heat, and better fuel economy. Go to dieselperformance.com or call BD at 800-887-5030. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.